Hi, my name is Mike Dillard, and this is Self Made Man, the podcast for those who want to leave their mark on the world and create a legacy of honor, integrity, and achievement in every aspect of your life. I'm glad you're here, and once again, it is time to forge your destiny. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing you to one of my best friends, Mr. Sammy Taggett. So I met Sammy about 10 years ago through our mutual friend Robert in the Denver music scene, and I've watched him as his career has grown over the years with shows at Red Rocks and with artists like Snoop Dogg. Well, about two years ago, Sammy suddenly changed his performance name to Shoebox Moses. So I said, Sammy, what's up, man? You've been building up this Sammy T brand for 10 years now. What's with this sudden change? Well, it turns out that Sammy had returned to the Philippines to try and track down his birth parents. And while he didn't find them, he did get a chance to visit the orphanage where he was raised, and what he found out completely changed his life. It turns out that Sammy was thrown away the day that he was born. His mother had put him into a shoebox and abandoned him in a dumpster just hours, probably maybe even minutes, after she gave birth. Well, thankfully, somebody heard him crying and brought him to the local orphanage where they saved his life and where he was raised until he was adopted by a family in the U.S. Today, Sammy Shoebox Moses plays on stages around the world, and he's using that platform to change the lives of kids who are currently growing up just like he did. So last year, he started a 501c3 charitable organization called thefoundlings.org. And when I heard about it, I was taken a bit by surprise. Starting a 501c3 is not an easy task. It can be a long and expensive process, but it turns out that Sammy's found a huge shortcut that you're going to learn about today. And as a result, you can start your very own charitable organization faster and easier than previously imagined. So my hope is that Sammy's story today and the resources that you're going to receive will inspire and empower a few members of this audience to take a leadership role around your most passionate social cause and use it to make a real difference in the world. And with that being said, please help me welcome one of my favorite people in the world, Mr. Sammy Shoebox Moses Taggett. And thank you so much for listening. Sammy Taggett, welcome to Self-Made Man, brother. It is a pleasure to finally have you here on the show. Thank you, Mike. And hello from Tallinn. I'm in uh, Estonia right now playing some shows. So I have just loved watching the progression of your show and just, you know, we've been friends now for what, 10 years? Yeah. Something like that. So yeah. So thank you so much for having me. No, absolutely. So, you know, today, Sammy, I thought it'd be awesome to educate our listeners on what you've done recently to start your very first foundation. And the reason why I wanted to have you on the show to talk about that is because I thought it was really amazing that you've been able to start this and to make an impact in a way that you're incredibly passionate about, despite the fact that, you know, you're you're not sitting on tens of millions of dollars in net worth. You don't have a massive legal team. And those are all things that I thought you typically had to do if you're going to start your own foundation. So we're going to dive into how anyone can do the same thing for any cause that they're passionate about here today with you. But before we dive into that, we've got to talk about your personal story because that's at the heart of why you started your organization, thefoundlings.org. So if you could take us back to day one of Sammy's <laughs> life. Yeah. So day one is, you know, for me, 
was actually just discovered just a few years ago when I went back to the Philippines for the first time to actually, you know, find my roots. And I'm adopted out of the Philippines. And my story started uh, in a shoebox in a dumpster. And we found that out on our first trip back to the Philippines. And that has just changed everything. And so I tour uh, as a DJ around the world as Shoebox Moses, the name that was kind of given to me by my friends and family after we made that discovery. And it was actually our friend Yannick and Sophia and those guys at the Mavericks, they were always just kind of nudging me along with, you know, finding my identity and finding my way in the marketing world and the music world. And they're like, you know, with that, the advent of this crazy discovery you had, what are you going to do with that name? And what are you thinking? And I thought about it. And we were sitting on Necker and I was just wrestling with kind of rebranding as everybody kind of does. And it was so funny. They were like, you know, you've always been our little shoebox, Moses, because you're just so full of energy and you have such a big heart for giving. And what better way to serve my story than to really embed it inside my performance moniker? And so that's where Shoebox Moses came from. And it's just been this incredible journey. And then this is the craziest part. I don't know if I told you this yet, but I have a, a co-founder in my organization at the Foundlings, and her name's Brandy Shigley. And we're both adopted Filipinos out of Manila. And one of the craziest things about our story is I met her in Denver nine years ago when she was performing. And I saw her on stage and I immediately knew she was a Filipino and we you know, got into a little conversation and she told me she was adopted and the craziest stuff started just coming out of us because we were so passionate about getting to the Philippines one day and our friendship started and we became fast friends, like best friends right out of the gates. And from that first initial inception, Mike, she would always tell me, she'd be like, Sammy, we're probably from the same orphanage. And the crazy thing about the Philippines in Manila, just the city of Manila, there's 1.8 million orphans in Manila proper. And so it's it's insane. It's a huge issue. And she would say this to me over the years. And I, you know, I used to just get super frustrated because I knew I I thought there's no way we could be from the same orphanage. Well fast forward to our first trip back to the Philippines and we did it on the back end of a, a mission trip to get clean water filters down to the city of Tacobon. So we start on this trip and we get everything mapped out and planned out. So we're going to deliver water filters. And then on the back of this trip, we're also going to go find our orphanages. And so we're planning out the route and I'm like, Brandy, here's my address. Then why don't we find out where yours, your address is, and we'll just hit the orphanages on one day. And then we'll go do the water deliveries of the filter systems after that. And she was like, yeah, Absolutely. And so I give her the address and she's like, you just keep giving me my address. That's not the address. I need your address. And so long story short, we discovered that we are from the same orphanage and it just gets crazier and crazier. All the, the synchronicities and the amazing things that happened on the, that first mission trip. But we met in Denver <laughs> as adults. It's, amazing, yeah. it's just nuts. So on that, you know, on the heels of that, everybody has these amazing stories. And we realized really quickly that, you know, we had to give back. We had to figure out what to do to really. And lend. I got I, I to gotta stop you before we go in there because you kind of glanced over it like it was ah, no big deal. But 
<laughs> we yeah, gotta, we gotta go back because it was just kind of a matter of fact statement that you made. But you know, I didn't. We've been friends for ten years. I didn't know this till like a year ago, and it's just absolutely phenomenal. But let's let's recap the fact that you discovered recently, within the last couple of years, when you went on this search for your past, that you were literally discovered in a shoebox in a dumpster. And were you just a couple of days old, a couple of weeks old, a couple of months? What yeah. what details do you have that you've been able to discover around that story? Sure. So the the main discovery we found it was you know I was only probably hours old uh, when wow. that whole thing came down. Yeah, and you know we found a lot of this information out by digging into letters that I had found. My parents, my uh, parents in Colorado who adopted me, they had, you know, kind of an idea. And what was happening is I was getting so close to finding my biological mom. And when I was telling my, my adopted parents, you know, Hey, I think I might know where this lady is. And the thing that my mom was wanting to be very cautious about, she said, you know, we have some information that you were possibly found in a shoebox. So if you meet this lady, who could possibly be your biological mom, you need to understand that this might be such a shock to her system, to the core of everything, because she may not ever, you know, that I can't even imagine what had to have transpired for her to even be in a situation that yeah. would put in right. there. Right. So that's what happened is so, and, and when I was peeling back all these layers, you know, I was looking up letters that I found from this foster family. Then I was finding the foster family on Facebook and, you know, writing them and they, you know, they absolutely remembered who I was and they were verifying a lot of the information of the locate of where I was at. They were like, yeah, that's your orphanage. That's where you needed to go. That's where you're, you should go and talk to them. But when I got to the orphanage and we both showed up, you know, it was very, it was very clear that they remembered who I was. And when I got there, I was like, hi, I'm, I'm, you know, my name was actually Joselito Ramirez <laughs> before it was Sam Taggett. And I told him who I was and who Brandy was. And Brandy's name was um, Baby Girl Gonzalez. <laughs> and, <laughs> no. and so when we told him who we were, they were like, oh, yeah, of course, absolutely. You're the shoebox baby. You're one of. I mean, it happens all the time. It's, it's absolutely crazy that, that that's kind of a norm for how mm. kids get you know, brought into the orphanage. So yeah, they knew I was the shoebox, uh, one of the shoebox babies. And it had just, it's just nuts because I think a lot of us understand the power of, of getting through adversity and, and trying to discover like who we are. But a lot of, a lot of the things that have changed for me is I didn't really know Mike that I had missed this opportunity by that much, you know, just knowing that I was found and then brought into this existence. And now I get to play music for a living for the most purpose driven people on the planet. That, that to me is, it just, it just makes everything so much brighter. And I feel so much more gracious and have this active appreciation towards everything. I mean, just talking to you, I mean, it blows my mind. I'm like sitting here kind of like shaking it, but the, like how amazing this opportunity is just to talk to your people and all the, the folks in my sphere, like right now I'm in Tallinn, Estonia, playing music for, for Mindvalley University. And it's just, it's just beautiful. And, you know, it kind of, kind of the circle the wagons on how, how crazy that is. It's, everybody has this amazing story in them. And, you know, what, what better way to serve 
than by learning how to give back. You know, you had Simon on your show, and one of the biggest things about what he talks about is people will totally rally behind you when they know why you do something rather than and you're, what you're, you're you do. referring to Simon Sinek. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah Simon. Yeah. And yeah. and so in that vein, you know, once we found out why we needed to get back there, and thank you so much for <laughs> bringing it back to that. But once we figured out why we needed to go back and start a foundation for these kids, and we learned the numbers and we figured out the problem, we realized really quickly that the kids just were not getting educated properly, but they could be, you know, they could. And what happens is that some kids will learn so much faster than others and some kids just need to catch up. And so what we realized by watching, you know, just in the short amount of time we were there and what we have gathered from many of the orphanages and foundations, in fact, is that there just needs to be a way to level up the way that these kids can learn and just get into a situation where once they get to the age of 15, they get shoved back into this broken situation or this broken this system that's totally fucked for them, that there has to be a way to get them a better education. And so you also had on your show, uh, Peter Diamandis, and you know how he has the X Prize. He he did this thing with the, the kids in the jungles where they actually dropped tablets into those remote parts of the world. And these kids broke open the cases, opened up tablets, and they were reading at a fourth grade reading level with very little help. And so we use that idea and that model. And what we are doing is we're putting 21st century education platforms in the form of a tablet. And we're putting all these resources on there for these kids and showing them basically entrepreneurship through music and fashion, because that's what Brandy and I know. So we load up these tablets for these kids, and then we get it to them and we get them in their hands. And so that's what we're working on. That's actually why I'm here in in Talon right now is I'm learning how they're bringing all these new educations to the masses. And so we're learning to do the same thing. But the way that we can distribute that and make it like a tangible business is we knew we should just make a nonprofit because it just keeps us so centered on our mission. And it's been, you know, it's not easy if you look at starting a nonprofit, but you're talking to a DJ and a fashion designer. Like being a nonprofit and starting a nonprofit is not easy. So that's where, you know, we found a really amazing system to do it. But yeah, so let's 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 dive yeah. into that, right? Because that's really yeah, what totally. the point of the show is today is that I've always been under the assumption that starting a 501c3 charitable organization is a, a multi-year long like setup process, lots of legal costs, lots of uh, compliance, oh. compliance pieces that you have to manage and that it's something that, you know, typically people are, are retired. They've had an exit from their company. They've got a lot of money. They want to, they want to dedicate that amount of time and resources to setting one up. And then all of a sudden I find out that you guys have, and you know, you have a lot of success, but, but not at the point to where my expectations or assumptions matched what, what y'all are doing. So you guys have cracked the code. You've kind of hacked the system and, and found a much more efficient way to go about this. And that's what I wanted to bring you on today to share with everybody with. Because if you're listening to this, if, and if you have a passion to start an organization that can serve and help a lot of other people, and you've thought about doing it, but you haven't known how, well, today you're going you're gonna to find out the shortcut. So where do, where do you start, Sammy? Yeah, absolutely. So, and I think it is really important to note that we are not 
like you said, I'm not sitting on tens of millions of dollars. I, you know, I'm, I'm on the road three and four weeks out of each month traveling, playing music. So just for the listeners, I'm just going to give you five of the, the simple things that we really distilled down that made it really easy to start this process. But let, I'm going to also say that there is a lot of red tape. There are a lot of things that you have to go through. There are a ton of metrics and a ton of things you have to put in place. And if you're not a solid business person, you definitely have to abide by these five tips. And then uh, when we get done, I'll definitely show you, the, give you the resources that we used because we found, we struck gold on how to do this. And I have a ton of friends and actually a, a couple family members that are all doing, working with the same system. But uh, just to get into it, the five things that we really noticed that we did that helped us get this done is the first thing that we tell everybody is to keep it super simple. It's 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 a business. A non a five hundred one c three is a nonprofit, but to be honest with you, it is a total business. And when done properly, like your your nonprofit's amazing, and it's a huge enterprise. And so, what we did is you got to make sure that you understand it is a business and it is there to be run as such. A lot of people start this whole nonprofit with this big dream, and you're like. We're going to go out and save all these kids and everyone's going to be happy. But it is, it's a total business. And if you done, if it's done properly, you could absolutely really move the needle for so many people's lives. So that's the first thing is just like keeping it simple and understand that it is a business. And so when you set up your legal entity, which is what stops a ton of people, it just drives us crazy. You just have to make sure that you find somebody that can kind of help you get the done for you solution in a fraction of the time. And that's what we've done. And I'm going to come back to that. But that's the first thing. And then the second thing is when you name your organization, it has to be really simple. So and it should be memorable. So ours is the foundlings, which is super true to what they call a, a baby in the Philippines. They're called foundlings. And so with your name of an organization, it should be memorable. And it should be easy to spell. So foundlings, that worked for us. And it should illustrate kind of the mission of what you're doing. And I think for a lot of people, it just, that kind of stops them. They're like, what are we going to call this? What should we do it? But just keep it simple. And that should illustrate, like I said, the mission and what you guys are doing. And a lot of times you forget to just ask friends and family and just bounce ideas off of the people that are closest to you. And that is one of the places that we started, you know, it, we went back and forth on all these things. We're like, are we going to be change maker, change making educators or this or that? And I think it was, uh, it was like Brandy's friend. They're like, well, you guys are just foundlings. And you know, that was, that was it. It's like, oh yep. yeah, Makes that's sense. a great name. Yeah. So that's the first thing. And then when you have the, the next step, the third step in it, you have to have a really good mission and inside that mission. And this, this is kind of, Sales copy 101, the mission statement that you have and the mission that you have for your organization really needs to follow this flow. And it's the flow is we help blank or the community that you're serving by providing blank. So your nonprofit's general activity or service. So they experience the result that you're aiming to achieve for them. So I'll say it again, though. We help blank by providing blank. So they experience 
the result that you're aiming to achieve. Does that make sense? Yeah. So what's uh, if you could state the one for the foundlings to give, use as an example? Yeah. So we help orphans find jobs by providing education platforms on entrepreneurship, music, and fashion so they can find jobs and a path out of oppression. Right. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. What else? So that's the, that's the third part. And then the fourth part we have is getting your founding board together. And we had so many people once we started this, like, I want to be on your board. And we're like, yeah, we'd love for you to be on the board. But the board of directors, it's, it needs to be lean and mean so you can get shit done. A lot of times you, you see these organizations start and there's like six and seven people. But just start lean and mean. We uh, say the minimum has to be three because you're going to be voting on things and there needs to be a clearly defined winner when you vote. So it has to be an odd number when you start your board. So either three or five or seven. So you can make make the decisions in there. And a lot of times you really need to uh, make sure it's the most knowledgeable people in their respective fields. So we brought on Brandy and myself, we realized that we're the go-getters. And you can tell, like just listening to me, I'm not a savvy, savvy business person. So we knew like on our board of directors, we needed to find people that were much more savvy at business. They were much more savvy at going through documents and contracts and things like that. So we brought in one of my friends that has been in the radio business for a long time. His name is Mike Galloway. And his father was actually the first person that helped us find our orphanage five years ago when we had this idea to get going. But his background is in follow through. His background is in contracts and legal. And so we knew that we needed somebody on our board to do that. And that was how we just started. It was real simple. We started with three. And then as we kept moving, we're like, okay, that's awesome because it'll avoid the gridlock and everything got so much easier uh, when we brought somebody in that was way better at the things that we weren't good at. Now, real quick on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For your board members, are are they being compensated in any way? Are they doing it out of you know a, a donation of their time and efforts? What does that look like? Yeah. So right now, when when we started, we we had so much energy and passion for it. No one in our organization right now is on. Well, they're in the. We're on payroll, but when it started, we all just started as we. We just had energy. We were just volunteering our time. We're fitting it into the cracks of what we were doing. And so that's how we started. No one was getting paid. And it's just, we were just happy to do it because we, we actually didn't really think about it. That's how green we were. We're like, can we make money doing this? Or is it always a, a volunteer basis? And, you know, and after you do the research, you'll see that there's actually some really big, you know, big paychecks for some of the higher ups. So we, we don't think of it like that, but when we started, yeah, everything was just volunteer. So that's where, that's where it usually starts for people. And then you've got to, at some point, define and structure the use of funds, right? What happens yep. with the money that comes in? And how do you be transparent about that? Because that's something that I really pay attention to when I make any kind of donation is that I only... Uh, give to organizations that have complete transparency about how the funds are used and and that they're actually being deployed into the field. Organizations like Red Cross and some of the larger ones out there are horrific. Like you yeah. might yep. you might see five to ten percent of all donated money actually get deployed, and then the rest is all eaten up on compensation, usually like ridiculous levels of salaries for the uh, the the exec board. 
And it all just goes into their pockets. So for me, charity, that's why I donate to charitywater.org because 100% every single penny of every dollar donated gets deployed into the field. And then individuals like myself and two or 300 other people, the money we donate gets used to pay for their overhead. The same yep. with Make-A-Wish, right? I donate mm-hmm. a lot to Make-A-Wish because I know where the money's going. I, c- I get to meet the kids that get the wishes granted to them and, and their experience and all of that. So what did you guys do when it came to defining how funds were used? Sure. Yeah. And that's such a great point. And I love your organization because I knew you guys did. You donated 100% of all the money that comes in. What we decided for our organization, we were going to use 10% to cover costs for our work and the work of like, you know, building the basic website, getting to the Philippines and things of that nature. We were just going to use 10% of that for our costs. That's what our salaries are going to do. And that's it. Uh, Everything else, when it comes to the transparency, we used, first of all, what we used is the mediums that we were really comfortable with. And one thing that I love doing is I'm always live. I like to be live on Facebook. I like to be telling everybody everything we're doing. But there's uh, the way that you document things in your nonprofit, you have to use minutes. And when you have your your meetings with your board, you document everything that you're doing. So there has that level of documentation is is very key. But what we're using and what we're working on doing and and keep in mind, too, like with our organization and with many of them when they're starting out to be transparent and to tell everybody what's going on is so much easier than it was you know, just five and 10 years ago with the advent of how fast you can get information from people, you can put all of your weekly, monthly, daily statements up immediately. And you can use a numerous amount of systems, a ton of different systems where you're just logging your prices, your lo- not prices, but you're logging everything you're spending. All that stuff is totally transparent and uploaded on the back end of into it or any any CRM or any kind of a financial system that you're using. So we do that and we upload every other week. We're not, I mean, when you look at what you have to do in the Philippines, it does not cost a lot to go and work there. What does cost a lot is building the educational infrastructures and putting them into these tablets. That's what's going to cost a lot for us up front. But then when we go and we travel, it's really not that expensive. But when we basically what we do is we list everything that we're doing. Michael will list everything we're doing. And we we use uh, Google, Google, Google Keep and Google Drive just to keep everything lean and mean. And then we just take pictures of any of the receipts inside of Evernote and we just send them to Michael and they just go in there. But we just log everything and just put it on the back end of the website. But the cool thing about that, we didn't even know how that was going to work. And so, because that was a big question, because we're not, we're not detail people. And I was like, how are we going to keep track of all these expenses? But it was just as simple as that for us when we were, when we first started out, we're just taking pictures of a few receipts here and there, sending them to Michael, Michael loads them up, and then we log them. Does that answer your question, though? We just kept it lean and mean. We yeah, just Google yeah. Docs and Evernote. No, absolutely. Now, I, you know, one of the key things I want to make sure we cover today is you actually found a company that has helped you do all of this, which I think is the real hack and the shortcut here. That's a big discovery for for everybody listening. So could you share that resource with everyone? Sure. Yeah, we used a company called Chain or called the name of the company is Changemakers.world. And it it was like 
when I tell you serendipitous things were happening to us left and right, this is that same type of thing. Because not having a background as being a, a huge business person, I knew right when we started this that this was going to be a daunting task. And so I was doing a small project and I met a gentleman named Christian Lafour, and he has a company called Changemakers.world. And there's a few of these out there, but this was the one that made it so easy for us. And it is basically a do it for you sister. So they have a group of consultants comprised of industry experts, and their basic dedication is to maximize the results of all these social enterprises. And by saying maximizing the results, it's just an entire network of people that all know how to do this. And they've been doing it for 30 plus years and they put the system for us together. And all we did is we basically took our dream and our vision and gave it to them and they streamlined the whole process for us from start to finish. So that was our answer. And since that time, I've had, even in the last week since I've been here, probably six people, as soon as I tell them about my story, they're like, I've always wanted to start a nonprofit. How do you do this? How do we get going? And that's my answer. I just tell them to contact Christian at Changemakers, and that's where they start. And that's the first, you know, those first steps that we were talking about earlier. That is what you give them. You give them your your initial concept and just hand it over to them. But yeah, that's that was our saving grace in this whole process, Mike, is finding this done for you system. Can you go into some expectations for folks when it comes to time and cost on on setting this up? Sure. The time it took us to get the paperwork back and the approval from, and this is what was crazy. I thought it was going to take months and months. Our approval from the state in Colorado, we got ours back in eight weeks. And the setup cost for us on the front end, it was $600 to start the whole thing. And then I paid a couple thousand to get the website and stuff like that put together. But there's a ton of different pieces that I didn't even know you could integrate into the back end of the websites. And, you know, it's such an ever evolving process, too. So I'm learning a ton more about how this whole thing works. So the cost that you're looking for up front was. 1300 bucks. That's it. So from a compliance perspective, is there anything that you have to do on a quarterly or annual basis? Financials that you have to file? What does that look like? Yeah. So I bet it's different for each state. But yeah, for the state of Colorado, to have your tax-exempt tax status as a 501c3, there's quarterly and annual things that you need to submit. And what they'll do at Changemakers is they will let you know and they will make it so easy for you. They basically load it into the calendar for you so you know when things are coming. And that, for for us, again, that's probably the only way people that are moving fast and we're, we're entertainers. So what we're trying to do is get all the stuff for us right in front of us. And so Changemakers sends that to us Usually they give us about a week ahead if we have a ton of different expenses and stuff so we know what to load up and get ready for them. But everything is, is like I said, Mike, it's literally done for us. So they just let us know how everything is put together, when it's going to be, when it needs to be turned in. But it is, it's quarterly 
some of the there's a company out there called GuideStar, and GuideStar is one of the things that we suggest that all nonprofits get involved with because GuideStar will also give you an entire database of resources that you need to know. But even with GuideStar, if you look at that, it's super daunting, and changemakers will go in there, pull out the pertinent information that you need for your nonprofit, and give that to you. So that's what we're, we're using. I, I lean on them and Christian and his team for almost everything when it comes to annual reports, how to you know, turn in our minutes, how to turn in our board member details, everything we need to know, we lean right into them. So they help us with everything. Very cool. Very cool. So how long have you guys been open and active at thefoundlings.org? And have you been able to you know, go out and initiate any of your, your goals yet? So we were uh, live in November of 2017. Mm-hmm. And we were, man, we were ready to go in December. We're going back to the orphanage in November. I'm going to the Philippines in November. I think Randy is going to come with me on that one too. But let's see, by November of last year, we were close. We were closing up on our first round of donations. We're close to 60000 for the just coming up on the end of the year. And then that's 2017. So we're I don't know where we're at sitting at right now. We're going to do what we do is we do events. So we've been planning our next event for the last few months as I'm rounding up and, and finishing up this tour. But I would love to, you know, once people kind of circle back with us, I'd love to give you harder numbers, but I actually don't even know. But as of November of last year, when we were done, at the end of the year, we had 60,000 raised. Nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's yeah. right after you launched. Yeah, right after we launched. Awesome. Very cool. So. One of the keys to success when it comes to building momentum behind any kind of nonprofit effort like this is something that Charity Water does really well also, is that they're in constant communication with their donors, sending out updates via email, right? Or posting videos on YouTube, whatever it may be, but they're actually sharing results of how the funds were used and the impact that's being made so that people can experience that. That's why they gave, right? To know that they're making a difference and you need to be able to communicate that to your donors if you want them to give again or to tell their friends about it and to start to grow your organization, right? So I really think from uh, an execution standpoint, the keys to success when it comes to a nonprofit are once again, being completely transparent with how the funds are being used so people feel safe and feel good about what they're providing you with. And then two, being really diligent in your follow-up and showing results, sending out photos, taking videos, telling people what's coming up next. And then I think when it comes to raising money, Sammy, events are a great way to do that, whether it's a physical event, like you might do a show, you know, and inspire the audience to give by telling them your story, or it could be an online event built up around something specific. Hey, we're heading to the Philippines on this date. We have a goal of raising X amount of money before then. That way you can put a deadline, you can put a countdown timer, and you can turn it into a virtual event. And that's always going to drive donations and the success of that campaign. So uh, congrats, man. That's an amazing first uh, first couple of months. Yeah. I mean, and to be honest with you, too, with uh, the way that we structured it, we didn't even know. We didn't realize it would rain like that. You know, when we saw this happening, we didn't even know how to build 
platforms, like education platforms. So we sat and we worked with people before we did any investing, before we used any of the funds, because we just didn't know. And that's an okay thing to do. You know, it's actually better to just take your time and use the resources as they come to you. But yeah, it, it's it's been an incredible ride. And I know that, you know, with the with the momentum that we have, that anyone can do it. And I mean, it's been one of the most fulfilling journeys I've had because I know that this is going to make a huge difference. I know that what we're doing out there is is something that has been a lifelong dream of mine. And I know tons of people have that, but I hope that this, you know, gets some inspiration and, and some information for folks that are looking to do the same thing. So I really appreciate your time, brother. It's been so nice catching up with you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for thanks for sharing this. I think this is going to empower a lot of people who are listening with the resources they need to to bring their their idea to life that they've probably been sitting on for years now. So Sammy, real quick, where can people go to connect with you? Obviously, they can go to thefoundlings.org to check out your nonprofit. And guys and gals, if you're listening to this and you learned something today or you were inspired by it, if you could go donate 10, 20 bucks, that'd be phenomenal. I know I know, it would mean the world to Sammy and to me as well. But where else, Sammy, can, can folks go to connect with you? So if you go to shoeboxmoses.com, that has all of my music in what I'm doing as far as my tour schedule and where I'm going to be next. And then if you want to connect with us, obviously, the foundlings.org is where you can go to find out what we're doing and our mission. Awesome, brother. Well, thank you so much for the time today. I really appreciate you bringing this to light for folks. And I can't wait to see what comes from this in our audience. If you're inspired to start your own 501c3 after uh, hearing Sammy's story today, I would love for you to keep me posted on that and for, for you to let me know when it goes live. And if you, you follow through and you make it happen, like that would be awesome. So thank you again, bud. Yeah, absolutely. I, Thanks, yeah, Mike. I can't wait to, to connect again. Have a phenomenal time in Estonia. And I look forward to connecting here when uh, you're either in Austin or Denver soon. Thanks, brother. Have a good one. Awesome, brother. Take care. Well, guys, gals, thank you so much, as always, for listening. And uh, I appreciate you so much. We'll see you next week. Take care. Dreaming. Are we dreaming? Are we dreaming? Are we dreaming?